0: The Devil's Arithmetic is an excellent movie. At least I think it's an excellent movie. It was released back in 1999. It stars Kirsten Tunst. who plays a 16-year-old Jewish girl from Long Island named Hannah Stern, a girl whose perspective on life changes radically at a Passover meal she celebrates with her family. The film opens and is in a tattoo shop in New York, with a teenage friend. For her conduct in the shop and from her interaction with the par- her parents later on when she gets home, it becomes very clear to the audience that this girl is a spoiled, self-centered, materialistic adolescent. Like many young people and many not-so-young people today, Hannah is all wrapped up in herself, in her own concerns, in her own desires. This is before cell phones and social media came on the scene. She probably would have been even worse if they had been around. Later that evening, she goes with her parents to the home of the Hava for the annual Passover meal, which of course commemorates the exodus of the Hebrews from Egypt at the time of Moses. She goes reluctantly. Her Jewish faith means very little to her. and She knows that when she's there, she'll be forced to listen to her Older relatives talk about their experiences during the Holocaust, all of which she finds quite boring. Well, toward the end of the Passover ritual that evening, Hannah is is asked to go and open the door so that Elijah can come in. There's an old Jewish tradition that says that Elijah the prophet spiritually visits every home where the Passover is celebrated. When Hannah opens the door, she's mysteriously transported to Poland in the year 1941. There she experiences firsthand the horrors her older relatives have been forced to live through, the deportation from their homes, the sickness, the pain, the torture, the horrible executions, the humiliation. She finally comes back to the present. She reawakens on the floor of her aunt's home. Needless to say, she's a changed person. She's different. Her attitude is different especially toward her religion and her family. Her priorities are different. Her outlook on life is different. He finally learned to look beyond herself at her own selfish desires. Before her little trip to 1941 Poland, her biggest concern was what tattoo she would get and what her friends thought of her. It's fairly typical in our Western affluent materialistic culture. It's all about me, myself and I. It's about what I want. It's what will make me feel good. That's what's important. The sad irony is in her excessive self-concern, Hannah was not happy. Quite oppositely, it made her miserable. In that respect, she was very much like King Herod, one of the main characters in the Epiphany story that we heard a few moments ago. Now, there were four different Herods mentioned in the New Testament. That's something we need to be clear about. This one was known as Herod the Great, which, by the way, he was not. Unless your idea of greatness includes people who murder their wives and children. Herod the Great was a paranoid individual who was so rivalous to his throne everywhere. He definitely would have been a good case study for a modern psychologist. And this fear he had of losing his earthly power led him to kill, or at least to try to kill, everyone he suspected of wanting to dethrone him including members of his own family and the holy innocents. Herod was all wrapped up in himself, like Hannah was before her mysterious trip to 1941 Poland. And this intense self-absorption was at the root of his paranoia. I am the king. This is my kingdom. No one will take it from me. I rule. It's what I want that matters. Life revolves around me. Everyone must serve me. Everyone must bow to me. Respond to my needs. Herod's self-absorption was also what prompted him to kill the holy innocents. They died because he was convinced that somewhere among them was a newborn king who would steal his crown. And that was a threat that could not be tolerated. Think of the innocents of our age, my brothers and sisters. The unborn, the elderly, the terminally ill. These human beings are killed in our day. For the very same reason Herod killed the Holy Innocents, because of obsessive self-concern. People, you see, are just too busy with their own wants and desires to be bothered with little babies and sick old people. Their comfort is threatened by these innocents. That cannot be tolerated. Herod, my brothers and sisters, thought his excessive self-concern would bring him happiness but all it brought him was more paranoia and misery, much like Herod's uh, head self-absorption brought her a great deal of unhappiness. Along these lines, there's an interesting question. What was the difference between King Herod and the Magi, aside from the fact that Herod was Jewish and the Magi were Gentiles? The answer is the Magi looked for their happiness outside of themselves, and through self giving. They weren't wrapped up in their own egos as Herod was. Think about it, their purpose was to find the newborn king of the Jews to give him the honor that he deserved. They weren't making the trip for their own glory. And lest we forget, they didn't travel to Bethlehem in limousines on nicely paved roads. They travelled on camels. You ever ride a camel? I did when I was in Israel in 1997. Rode about 100 yards. That was an earth. Legi rode camels on rough, treacherous, dangerous roads. When they finally arrived at the house where the Holy Family was, they gave Jesus. They gave him gifts, three precious gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They came to give, not to receive. And so what Scripture says about them is no coincidence. It says they were overjoyed at seeing the star, the star which was leading them to Christ. Can you imagine how much happier they were when they finally saw the Lord in the flesh? The Magi were givers. They gave. They gave their time. They gave their energy. They gave their resources. They gave the most precious gifts they had. And they found the happiness that selfish Herod did not. Blessed for us today, I think, should be crystal clear. Let me conclude this morning with a story that Bishop Sheen told in one of his many books. The good bishop wrote this. Not very long ago, a father brought me his young son, a very self-wise, conceited young delinquent, who had given up his faith and was bitter with himself and everyone he met. The next day, the boy ran away from home. He was away for a year. The boy came back as bad as ever, and the father brought him to me and said, what shall I do with him? I said, send him to school, but not in the United States. So I recommended a certain school to him. And about a year later, the boy came back to see me. He said, would you be willing to give me moral support for an enterprise that I have undertaken in Mexico? There's a group of boys at the college I attend who have built a little school have gone all around the neighborhood and brought in the children to teach them catechism we will also bring in a doctor from the united states once a year for one month to take care of all the sick people in the neighborhood i asked him how he became interested in this work well he said the boys went down there during the summer and i thought i would go down too this young man recovered his faith and his morals and everything else in his neighbor. Here we have a young man who, like Hannah Stern, was all wrapped up in himself until he lived among the poor in Mexico and learned to be a giver and not a taker. Let's pray that we will all learn the same lesson on this piece of the epiphany and then live it throughout the year.